0: Welcome to the Graffinity Loop, a podcast for business owners hosted by King Dang. Listen to self-employed Aussies who have crushed it in their industry, sharing their successes, lessons learned, family life stories, and sharing tips for other business owners. On today's show, we welcome Alvin Sayrath at Stuart Emmons. Both Stuart and Alvin have over 40 years combined construction industry experience. They've been responsible for the design, management, construction, and delivery of over $1 billion worth of major residential and commercial projects across multiple sectors. After many years in corporate construction, Alvin and Stuart came together to start Corpus Prime Site, with the mission of providing solutions and building dreams. They now work on commercial and residential builds, including award-winning home renovations. Today, they share their story, their experiences,
1: and tips for anyone thinking about starting a new home build.
2: Alright, so we're here today with the guys at uh, Corvus Prime Site, uh, just discussing them about their business and their background. Um, so, you guys want to just start with uh, your background in the industry and when you got started?
1: Yeah, my name's Stuart, I'm a director of Corvus Prime Site. I've been in the industry for nearly 35 years now. Um, started with a family member. Uh, pre-leaving school uh, in the school holidays, decided I enjoyed the industry um, and decided to go into more of a professional role than working on site. Um, I then started with uh, leaving school, started a degree part-time course yep. um, with a major tier one contractor in the UK yep. and um, went from there.
2: Well, any other? How did you start? Well, I always
0: liked using my hands in school so carpentry woodwork so i um after finishing school did a i started a bachelor building degree and six months into the degree i applied for a job at a large australian building company yeah got a job and that was when i was 18 and i'm now almost 40 years old so 22 years ago wow um spent 10 years almost 10 years at that um, large building company yeah and met Stuart along the way, um, always liked construction. I enjoy the, um, the interaction of all the different characters in the industry. So,
2: so you guys worked at
0: the same company. Yeah.
1: We, Alvin and I worked together for a tier one contractor for over 10 years doing all their major projects. Most of our projects were 300, $350 million plus, uh, high rise residential and commercial buildings. Okay. Um, great experience dealing with all facets of construction design project management yeah. um, and then we decided that um we'd put our skills together and uh went out and formed our own business to target more of the smaller residential market yeah. with having that potential with the experience we had to progress into yeah. into sort of more major major projects so what was the conversation like between the two of you well, In was, terms of,
2: you know, let's start let's go out and start up a company. Like you guys have been working together for a while. Yeah. And
0: Oh, we've known each other for a long time. I've pretty much known Stuart all my working life, pretty much. Oh wow, okay. I started out as like Stewart's Quasi Junior, helping with oh. yeah, administration <laughs> on a large construction site. And yeah, it was just the phone call one day after talking for a long time about it.
1: And we said, Look Oh,
2: so it's something you guys have been talking about doing? Yeah. Yeah, And so, it was just waiting for the right time yeah, to... to come together.
1: Yeah, right time. And also gaining though that major experience in all facets. Yeah. Um, that was a real key for us to sort of form a partnership, um, putting our skills and experience together. Obviously, I've worked in the UK and, and Australia. I've been here over 22 years. Uh, Alvin with his experience from you know an early stage progressing through uh, the ranks in a, with a tier one contractor, yeah. lots of experience in, in all facets. So with our combined skills and experience, it was just having that step to be brave enough to step out. Um, we stepped out and I think due to our, our experience and what we'd actually produced construction wise, yeah. it gave prospective clients, which we didn't have any when we left, yeah. Um, to actually go out, realise what we're about, what our experience is. But you guys is. went
2: into a completely different market though, didn't you? Yeah, we did. It's a smaller so like market. So you went straight into like a smaller, you know, more residential, yeah, more correct. consumer type of... Correct.
1: Yeah, for us, for us, I suppose, yeah. the skills that we gained for the Tier 1, yeah. moving into that smaller residential sector, yeah. was a bit of a an easier step for us. Okay. Yeah,
0: um, I guess it showed our customers and clients, the professionalism from going from a corporate builder to yep. a residential mum and dad building project. So that, I guess, professionalism in presenting programs, build times to the customers, they, they liked it. Yep. Uh, they understood from start to finish what they were going to get, when they were going
2: to get it, okay. and we delivered on time almost every time. So what was it like competing with like the, the more established guys
1: very, very difficult at the start. Obviously, you've got to get a reputation and you've yeah. got to get projects on the board. So you're, you're trying to pr- promote yourself with no portfolio. Yeah. And it's just someone giving you that belief, knowing what you're about, looking at your experience and deciding, you know, these are the type of guys for us. There's some very good builders out there. Yeah. Um, the industry, unfortunately, gets a bit of tarnished with, a bit of a bad name. Yep. Yes, there are some poor builders out there, but there's also some very good builders. It's and like very industry be, though, isn't it? Yeah. We wanted to be the best in that area, in that field, and show people that what you hear is not what you get. Yep. So we structured, as Alvin sort of alluded to, that we've taken a tier one mentality and our skills into the domestic market. To give people certainty on price, delivery and quality. I think they'd be the three key components for us and our success. Okay. Uh, with, you know, getting clients on board and giving us a go. And since then, once we've done that and people have seen what we've delivered from those early stages, the recommendation side of it is just pretty much exploding So you for guys us.
2: don't do much advertising? No.
0: Apart from our banners on the jobs that we've got,
1: yeah.
0: we don't advertise at all. Most of it's or word of mouth, mouth refer referrals. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess the thing with our industry is if you're gonna spend a million bucks, you're not gonna pick a name out of the telephone book or off a Google ad. Mm. You wanna to go to a name that people have trusted or someone that you know has used before yep. and you've delivered. So uh, that goes a long way when people are putting a large sum of
2: money down yeah. on the table. Like word of mouth is always gonna be the best form of yeah. you know, referrals of actually getting business because yep. you don't then have to deal with pricing yeah, there's, there's, much. Also, there's also there's also the pricing, but yeah, um, but it's not it's not um,
0: cutthroat. Um, yeah. You're not dropping your margins. You're not um, doing it for nothing or at
1: cost yeah. just to get uh, a job on the table. Okay, it's very hard as well with with new clients. Obviously, price is is important to them. Absolutely, and we've got to be competitive in that market. Yeah. However, if there's a range of prices and you know there's a price that's fifty percent cheaper than everybody else, then there's a reason for it, and people yeah. have people are aware of that. And I think the other thing is, is for, for a journey for someone to build a house is probably one of the biggest biggest things they'll ever take on. Yeah. So we've had clients that are still nervous, even though they've, they we've had recommendations, we've been recommended, they've seen our portfolio because it's so big for them. It's still quite a nerve-wracking process. It's, it's,
2: a lot of it's just the unknown, though. Yeah, that's right. Like, for a lot of people, building yeah. is, is... There is such a big unknown. That's right.
0: And it's something they only do once in their life. Yeah. It's, it's unlikely that you know, 10 out of 10 people are going to build numerous homes in their life that they're going to live in. Yeah, absolutely. And spend that kind of money on their home uh, multiple times. It's a one-off, and if they did it badly the first time, they had a bad experience... They'll never get that opportunity to do it again and get a better experience. Yeah. So it's uh, for a lot of people, it's only one chance.
2: But for a lot of people also, they're yeah. not in control though. That's it's just one of those things where you you know you sit down and say you're going to build this for me, mm-hmm. but I actually have no control
1: over that. That's right. Yeah. Like, you're, but you're I, trusting. Yeah. In, yeah. You're trusting in that builder and their yeah. their their reputation and what they've delivered prior to deliver the same for you. Yeah. So, so
2: I think for a lot of people, letting go of that control and saying, I trust in these guys in order to deliver.
1: We also, we do it collaboratively. So, you know, we give the clients the flexibility on their finishes. We're not yeah. locking people in. It's got to be this, it's got to be that. So yeah. through our design experience in the tier one, we can, we can give people that flexibility. So not everything's has to be locked into yeah. a certain finish. We can say, look, we've got a certain component allowed. If you want to work within that budget, you can. If okay. you want to exceed that budget, you'll pay more. If you want to reduce that budget, you pay less. Yeah. So we can work collaboratively with them. And I think for them, mm-hmm. it's having the security of knowing that they're going to get their job built on time. They're not going to have any issues yeah. and they can move in
2: a nice, smooth, stress-free
1: process as much as a build can be. There's still a lot of decisions they have make with finishes, but we try and assist them mm-hmm. through yeah. that process.
2: So, what are, I guess we'll start with some of the biggest projects I guess you've done or your biggest accomplishments prior to, to being in business together. And then, what are your biggest accomplishments since starting your business? Well, I'd say the largest job we did was Lumiere. That was for the Frasers Group.
0: It was 500, two towers, one was 57 stories, 550 apartments on top of the retail. A swimming pool a glass bottom gym you project managed all that we project managed all that we built it
2: yeah
0: um for the previous company that we worked for together yeah. uh, that was one tower the other tower was 47 stories high and that was a hotel for the Fraser's group okay and combined that was a 500 million dollar job wow yeah in the middle of the city um right in front of george and baffer street
2: how long did that take
0: that was a three and a half year project yeah
2: that's so, Is that a short time in terms of your industry or? Uh,
0: It could be considered depending on which side of the industry it's on. If it's in large commercial, it's about average. Yeah. Um, It's not too short, but it's not too long. Um, For a home build, obviously three years is a long time. (laughs) If you're building a residential home. Yeah. Um, Most of our residential homes build, they they range from nine nine months to 12 months. Yeah. Depending on the complexity of what the owner wants. So I'd say, yeah, building, doing large um, commercial jobs is exciting. You see different things and you're exposed to different things as well. Yeah. Um, and then coming to the residential side, um, you're exposed to the humanity of, um, the people. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's mums and dads. It's real. It's real for them. It's their home.
2: So this is more there's sort more of emotional dealing with people's emotions. And- yeah. The commercial,
1: yeah. commercial sector is very different. You've got, obviously various facets to please as in the client the the finances obviously the the tenants the retail components or residential apartments the sales marketing so you've got very much uh, a lot more different areas to sort of deal with as alvin says a home is a very personal a very personal thing from my perspective probably the same as alvin the, the the highs would be watching Seeing behind the, the, the job that Alvin spoke about, there was 12 months worth of work that went in behind the scenes to even start that project. Oh, wow. So design planning, cost planning, to yeah. make sure that the design fitted the budget for the client, um, reviewing sales marketing, what's going to sell well, what size, what finishes. So there's a lot of stuff that goes in prior to construction, even commencing. Yeah. And when you're involved in that process from start to finish, the build is the exciting part as well, but you know how much it's got into it. So when the job's handed over, yep. you know where that started. Now that job in particular was started pretty much on, this is what I want to build. Yeah. Um, this is despite what what can we do and yeah. how are we going to make it special, uh, which you know took a lot of hard work and that the result was amazing. But to go through that process and build a job that's over $400 million wow. and being involved in the upfront planning yep. is probably one of the most rewarding things. I've done other towers, 56 storey commercial towers. Yep. Um, and some major sort of projects for banks, uh, police headquarters, quite a quite a range of different projects for different clients. Yep. But yeah, that the most rewarding element would be following the process from pretty much a butterscotch drawing yep. through, to, through to completion.
2: So what about your business now? Like you guys have been in business for a while what, um, what do you feel like your biggest achievements are in your current business?
0: I'd say getting to the point where we're being referred to in a positive light to prospective customers, yep. um, building a team that we've got now. Uh, we've got a team of 11 guys collectively, including us. And it's like, a, you know, I said this, say this to Stuart all the time, it's like a football team. You have just got the players in the right position now and everyone's performing to how best they should be performing in that position. yeah, And I guess that's the exciting thing about um, our business at the moment.
1: It, it takes a long time to get, you know, it's been five or six years of hard work. Yeah. You know, when you initially start your business, you've obviously, you're tendering to try and win work. Um, a lot of the time you're being used as, what's their price? And even if you were the most competitive on a project, you spend a lot of time and effort pricing those jobs. Yeah. However, your price would just be used to
2: negotiate with
1: with someone that they've got a relationship with to bring their price down to where they feel the market should be. I would say from my personal perspective, the most rewarding thing at the moment for myself and Alvin is being in a position where you hear architects, engineers, clients talking very positively about you, about their experience. Um, some of the testimonials and our website are very honest and open about how, how the whole process worked. But yep. just that reading and listening to positive feedback of how their experience has been, has been probably the most rewarding thing for me, knowing where we started our business and how hard it was to get to that point.
2: But you guys build dreams, though. We build dreams, that's right. And And once people get to their dreams home built... It's a very emotional...
1: And when they go through, they, you know, they hear the news about issues with certain builders or yeah. know, issues that builders have had or tenants have had, and they go through that stress-free, yeah. the building's handed over on time, it's on their budget, it's, it's not what they expect. So it's very... rewarding. Because they're
2: anticipating the worst, the worst, almost. Yeah. yeah. And to have somebody actually come in and deliver their dream on
1: time, in budget... I, I suppose one of the other positive things as well, Alvin and I have both been through that graduate process, tra- train traineeship, whatever you want, a cadetship, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And we've learned off people above us. We've all started very young in the industry and we've yeah. learned off senior experienced people. We've now been able to take our experiences and then provide that op- opportunity to others um, some joined us at you know, 18, 19. We've put them through the same process, the yeah. same same issues that we went through, learning and trying to get them more and more and more experience. We have a lot of support and a lot of time and effort from our point of view. So you're building and up now seeing kids. those people yeah. being being able to stand alone, yeah. and build with our backup. A beautiful home for someone is is probably one of the most rewarding things because, without wow. having that, yeah. you know, you've got to have good people around you to produce good people. You've got to yeah, but you guys are putting in the, the effort
2: industry. to to build up, you know, the, the this, team, the, the yeah. team and the talent within the team, and and pushing them. You're obviously pushing them to, to step into um, more, senior more senior roles, yeah. more leadership roles, yeah. so
1: that they can. So they're growing through our business, not yeah. just as. Not just as positions, but also as individuals as well. Personally, yeah. they're growing, and as their experience grows, their confidence grows, and then they want to move into different areas in, in in the business, which is great for us. And that's that's what we need to keep the business fresh. And knowing that they've been trained correctly, we're not. We know they've been yeah. trained well. Others may come, and you they've been trained by somebody else. That, yeah well, that's what we did on our last job. Well, that's not how we do it. We do it this way and that's the right way to do okay. it. Okay, so. so
2: you guys have a fairly good set of standards yeah. within the organisation to ensure that everybody meets that standard. Yeah. Well, that obviously means that you know you end up creating you know something that's repeatable that you can deliver to your clients. That's right. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to ask um, a question in regards to, you, you guys have both been like project managers in your previous roles at the uh, T1 building companies, right? Um, what's, I guess, one or two of the biggest leadership lessons you've learned while you were there?
0: Hard work and leading by example. I guess when
2: people see you
0: working hard and leading and showing you, showing the people around you that you're giving 100%, Yeah. everyone seems to lift as well and follow suit. Okay. So I find that,
2: um, and that's, that's something that you've brought back to, to, to your business as correct. well? Yeah, correct. So we've instilled that into our younger guys coming through Yeah,
0: and give them that. We show them that we work just as hard as they do, if not harder. Yep. And they see as well. They don't see us leaving early or going away you know, five days a week. Yeah. They're, they're seeing us work. They're seeing us work with them, next to them as well. Okay. And they get a sense that everyone's pushing along for the same for the same goal to see, to achieve the same goal
2: yeah.
1: at a high standard. I mean, there's also that man management side. Um, I think mean, if I look back from my personal experiences, I had, I was taught by very good people, very committed people yeah. that actually showed that they, they wanted to teach me. Yeah. I mean, that's very important that you're not, you're not just a number. We spend time with all our employees, trying to educate them, give them more experience and make them feel part of our business we want them to grow we want them to you know we want them to go for our business and get more experience more experience yeah and we we do spend that time with them and it's it's man management you've got to make them feel important in your business which they are they are a key to your business so the more skills they have the better it is for us and the, the better the business becomes so spending that man management time and spending time with them is is very important as uh, in the leadership perspective
2: is there anything you guys do to celebrate your achievements with your team uh, we have team dinners team drinks yeah so whenever we feel that we've achieved a goal okay so you've got yeah. you spend a lot of time socially with each other as well yeah that's right
0: i mean we spend more time with each other than we do with our families so <laughs> okay. it makes sense that um, you know we spend our achievements together as well.
1: Yeah. The hardest thing to fit those in is because we we have numerous projects, obviously everything's finished at a different time. Yeah. Um, we do have sort of a quarterly dinner together. that We'll, yep. we'll all go out and have dinner. And if there's a, a major project that achieves a major milestone, most generally finish around the time. But for us, there's always something either starting or something else finishing. So yeah. But it's, it's another important thing that you need to do. To you know, you need that bonding. You need to make people feel that their, you know, their efforts and their hard work doesn't doesn't go, go and noticed, unnoticed. Yeah. And and we obviously have those conversations. We'll have regular meetings with all our employees, and we will give them that oh, feedback. We'll yeah. give them where we feel that they can strengthen, yeah. and we will also say where they've you know where they've um, exceeded our expectations, and we tell them why they've done that mm-hmm. and how they've done it. Um, so it's just you know, who everyone needs it. So back. you give them whoever feedback on, on
0: how they're going. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Both positive and negative. Um, we, I deal in information. So if I have information and I can work on the information, I yeah. can either do things with it or not do things with it. Yeah. And if you give people information, for better or worse, yeah. um, and they can use the negatives into a positive, mm-hmm. um, it, it helps them tr- tremendously. Okay. Yeah, It's part of the growing process. You've yep. got to make mistakes to learn. And part of that is getting negative feedback and turning it into a positive. Yeah. And growing from that. So you experience.
2: guys have built that into your culture though. Yeah. Is it, um, is it something that your uh, your team can also give feedback on in terms of how you guys are leading as well? I suppose it is, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah? We do ask that. We'll have our meetings. Is there anything yeah. you think we can do better? Is there anything... You think we can streamline to make your job easier but still ticking the boxes yeah um, so we do get their feedback they're the ones on the ground they know what they've had yeah. to do we've we've changed our systems from a, a i suppose an old school type site diaries to electronic site diaries yeah. we have a central system that everybody can access everybody uploads their various documents to a, to one point yep. so everybody can reference different different documents from one source so we just try and streamline that process. So we're not, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel for every job, every project, yeah. every, every project structured exactly the same way, every program structured the same way. So there's that uniformity across the, across the business. Because so. you
2: guys are looking at ways to improve those processes as well. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's
2: yeah. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, how do you feel the industry is heading?
0: It's pretty busy at the moment. Yeah. You can never tell with the market. But um, look, pre-COVID was busy, and then COVID hit. It was quiet for a bit, and all of a sudden it just shot off again. Okay. So we were pretty busy throughout eighty percent of the COVID period last year. Yeah. So that was what I thought was amazing. pending like, based on the first two months of COVID um, affecting the country. Yeah. But, um, it went. So
2: you guys were pretty much back on, like yeah. back in full swing. Yeah. Within two months. Of- within two months, yeah.
1: I think as well with the market we're sort of moving into as well, you know, we've got different different projects with different levels of budget as well. So, yep. you know, some of the higher end projects will always proceed. Um, some of the lower end sort of projects for funding wise through, you know, mum and dad clients can sometimes take a little bit longer okay. um, through the bank processes, but um, yeah, the, the, the major sort of projects and high end projects we deliver will always continue to go and in, obviously yep. service in that other sector can take a little bit longer, but it seems to be very positive at the moment.
2: So how was your initial reaction to COVID and then how did the team take it? Um,
0: it was just business as unusual to be honest. The only thing that affected us was the mum and dad projects being canceled due to them not being able to sell their homes, to fund their new home. Yeah, They couldn't get uh, funding because they've lost their jobs. But after a few months of that and things returning back to normal mm-hmm. and people realising uh, we can work from home, they're not losing their jobs or they're getting more em- other employment, uh, it picked back up again. So,
2: so how much of the uh, projects that you had on was actually cancelled due to COVID? And- I think it was only two or three projects. Uh, oh wow! They got cancelled and never resurrected.
0: Okay. Uh, three or four projects were put on hold, but on then hold. within two or three months they were resurrected again because okay. uh, the client realised, "Oh no." I've got, I'm able to get funding, or yeah. uh, we were, we we're able to do other things to achieve the funding yeah. requirements that
2: we need, and it just kept on kept on rolling. Um, I'm sure you guys keep an eye on the real estate market, and you know, um, prices for property are going through the roof. How do you do you guys see that happening for much longer, or well, from our experience, it, it always
0: goes up, yeah, if it goes down, it doesn't drop like a rock it maybe takes like a 10% hit and then it stays stagnant and then it just rises up again yeah. um, but from my perspective when you compare it to other markets in the world australia is still relatively cheap uh, when i say that for a you know a five bedroom home in hong kong or yeah. singapore it's not 1.2 million dollars it's 10 million dollars you know yeah. so in that perspective um, to the world where it's still relatively cheap, but mm-hmm. for the average mum and dad in Australia, that's a lot of money, and I don't see it coming back down relatively quickly. Interest rates are very low. Yeah, um, a lot of buyers are getting funding from outside, other than the bank, through their parents. Yeah, uh, it's a big thing at the moment. Yeah, mum and dad's propping up um, their their kids with the deposit, and it's getting in into the door, and it's I guess increasing the property prices for people who don't have that, I guess, opportunity. And it's, it's moving the goalposts, I guess, for the average young couple trying to get into a market to buy a home.
2: But in terms of construction, has it, does it affect your prices or, or their expectations of the value of their property? When it... Initially,
0: people think it does, but it's actually the opposite effect. Okay. People think that oh yeah, house prices are going up, but with COVID, there should be a lot of trades around to service the needless, but it's mm-hmm. actually the opposite. It's so busy at the moment that the trades are in high demand and there's okay. not enough supply. So labor rates are going up. Materials go up every quarter yep. with inflation and with supply issues from China, the rest of the world. Okay, um, shortage. Of- there's a shortage of supply. Yeah, The Americans are building a million homes this year from what they forecasted. They've <laughs> actually, because of the Americans um, Demand on timber. The price of timber in Australia has doubled in the last two oh, months. Really? Yeah, yeah. So overnight, it's it's doubled. So material cost has gone up 100% just in one material sector alone, which is timber. Yeah. There's a,
1: there's always a pretty static increase, a CPI increase yeah. for all materials. Yeah. You notice in our industry that it seems to be bigger rises in certain components. Obviously, steel. Any sort of. Uh, Raw material, raw material, yeah. um, steel, timbers are, are the ones that go up, concrete yeah. take the biggest jumps, uh, and then the balance of the trades will take a, a, a minor increase throughout the time. During COVID, yeah. we've seen most materials take a significant jump, especially timber, especially steel, um, reinforcement, appliances concrete. from overseas. It's
2: just so that's Basically demand yeah. without much supply. It's demand without supply. Yeah, okay. And how's that affected in terms of builds? Like,
0: we've got to make sure we order appliances, materials a lot further ahead than what we used to. Yeah. So prior to that, we were all, always ordering ahead of time anyway to make sure that uh, we had it available when we needed it. So mm-hmm. you have know, four weeks, eight weeks ahead of time of when yeah. we need it. Now it's, we need to double that. Or as soon as we sign the contract, we order everything straight away even though you don't need it for nine months down the track, we order it straight away in just to lock in it. our supply. The product. And even then you're not guaranteed that you'll get it because we're um, we're at the mercy of the suppliers and their supply chain as well. Yeah. So we can't control that, but we try our best to to do that.
1: On well, some jobs it's, it's course, obviously, yes. especially during this COVID period, we obviously price jobs can be up to 12 months ago, uh, nine <laughs> months ago, and then it takes three months to go through a design CC stage before we commence work. So yeah. by the time we get to the point where we need X material, it could be a six month. We could have signed the contract three months before yeah. subject to obviously construction certificates being granted. And so we can actually commence. So by the time we get to that component, if we've got demolition excavation and say so we're pouring concrete, yeah. we could have priced that four months ago. Now we've locked in on a contract. And as if prices go up oh, okay. on some projects we've had to wear that price oh. rise. Okay, um, so you actually you wear that cost. And yeah. we've had to wear that cost. So there are wow. some negatives yeah. to it. Um, but we've we've honoured our contract, we've signed a contract and unfortunately that's that's part of business, so we don't pass that back on to our clients. If we've locked in a the price then unfortunately that's that's our risk.
2: Well that's I mean, you know, from a client's perspective, that's really good news for them because it's not like three months or six months down the track, you guys come back and go, look, oh, we can't because the price of the yeah. timber's yeah. doubled and, you know, now your house price is X construction cost is going to be X amount.
1: Yeah, and they've locked into a budget and mm. they've borrowed around that figure. And that's the same one. That's one of the most key things in all our projects. And you might even come to this um, later on. Is that we try and make sure that they are aware of what the cost is going to be, mm-hmm. and we don't put, we don't miss things out, we sure. don't reduce components down to suit what they want to hear. If we believe someone's got a budget of five hundred, and we think, you know, we're telling them up front, well, we believe it's going to be six. Yeah. They need to know that if there's, uh, there may be components in there that we've allowed that are not designed yet, or they don't know what they want. Yep. We make the relevant allowances of what we, we know it's gonna cost. Okay. Not what they might want, or someone else might say, oh, you can get that for a $1,000 knowing that it's gonna be five. So we try and be realistic for our clients. So they, they know yep. if there are some fluctuations in their project because they've not selected certain components that yep. they've got enough money in there to actually finish what they want instead of having a smaller component in there yeah. and knowing that the bill is gonna be higher. So we're, we're realistic on what things are gonna cost, whereas you will get other builders that won't do that, and that's sometimes how they secure work, and then the client at the end of the job okay. is gonna be in a much worse position.
2: Because I've actually had clients pretty recently which um, there's been amendments to the, the building contract that they originally signed, like with variations and then changes in progress payments and stuff. Yeah. I don't know if that's gotta do with, you know, them factoring the cost of everything now, considering, you know, the the um, contracts were signed. Yeah, I mean potentially yeah. it could be
1: a provisional component, let's say it might be for a kitchen. Yeah. Uh, they don't know what finishes they want for their kitchen when they're signed the contract. They wanna go out and look, they wanna see what timber floors are out there, what tiles are out there. Let's say builder a might put a provisional amount in for five thousand dollars now yeah. you're not going to get a kitchen for five thousand dollars <laughs> subject to you know i'm talking about a standard hard yeah. of a decent finish we would put in a, a provisional sum that we might be four or five times that yeah but we know that that's what it's going to cost them if they only allow for the five thousand and they go out it's it's like one a a rolls royce <laughs> but allowing the money for a mini it's just not you know, yeah. we know that they're going to, oh, well, I've got to spend another $20,000. So yeah. I suppose we try and tell them the factual results at the, the start and, numbers not, at the and not afterwards. And yeah. if they've got to get their finance based on that, yeah. then at least they know where they are. If yeah. if they've only got borrowings for half a million and we know the job's going to cost 600000 then they've got a big hole. So it's much better to know prior to yeah. signing the contract than it is signing a contract that's not right yep and then trying to find that
2: that difference then trying to find the money to to finish off the the house that you want yeah that's right um i guess that goes on to the next question regards to you know you guys have been in the industry for a while if somebody's building a house what are some things that let's just say three to five things that they need to think about um before approaching say a builder or you know the type of questions they need to ask builders to ensure that they don't have any um, nasty surprises you know, throughout the project? Yeah, that's a good question.
0: And there's only, there's one answer to that. You need to understand or know what you want first. So if you know what you want, which is um, what we call the scope of works, um, write down a list of exactly what you want, the finishes Mm -hmm. that you would like to have, and then put that on a list and you can give that to three or four builders to give you a, a quote or a price. Um, and then it should be pretty similar. The results that you get back from a quotation for a scope of works it should be pretty similar. Unless someone's done something wrong, they've left something out, that should be the only reason why it's different. Okay. So if you're locking down a scope, that also includes the design. Yeah. Get the design done up front. Know what you want to build, whether it's a three bedroom house, single story, five bedroom house, two storey, the size of the house. Yeah. Get all get all that locked away. Choose your finishes and mm-hmm. then go out to the market and get a quote. And you should get, if you have all the information on the
2: table, the pricing that you, should, that you get back should be pretty similar. Okay. Yeah. So basically you you recommend that they, they actually figure out in their mind what yep. their home is gonna eventually look like. Yeah. And then you guys will cost that up to, to, to see how much it actually costs.
1: I think the biggest component for most people, and this is what we see time and time again, there's, there's two components is the first one is they try and minimize their expenditure at the start with their documentation. Okay. So you'll get a very standard set of architectural documents. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always, oh, that's gonna cost around this. Someone might just, I'll throw uh, a figure, yeah. oh, you get a house built for 500. Like or like your all. friend
2: says, you know, yeah. this
1: guy's gonna cost Or they do it on square <laughs> meter rates. You know, yeah. like, oh, we well, should allow 2000 square meter or 1500 or whatever it might be. Yeah. The issue is, is that there's obviously the scope is not detailed enough mm-hmm. with regards to finishes for one. Yep. Structurally, there's obviously issues, flood mm-hmm. zones, checking council regulations, so knowing what you can and can't do on site detention. There's there's many components in the ground yeah. that
2: are the not risk really for effective. the
1: client. Yeah. Ground up it's reasonably straightforward. And if you mm-hmm. don't change what's there, you're not going to pay any extra. Yeah. But I think what happens is is they're, they're, they're told a figure or, oh, my friend built his house for X, so <laughs> yeah. that's what it's going to cost. Yeah. So I think spending that time on the documentation from the DA stage or prior to DA or during DA is making sure that you know the documentation is right, that they've got sufficient stormwater civil plans done. So there's no surprises afterwards. What sometimes happens is, a lot, I've got these drawings done by the architect. Mm-hmm. How much do you think it's going to cost to build? Yeah. Well, it's going to cost roughly X, but we don't know what the structure is. We don't want the in-ground conditions are. Is yeah. there a sewer? Is there an yeah. easement? Is it going to be concrete and case, et cetera, et cetera. So those, if they spent that money up front on the design, yeah. then there's a lot less... It's much more um, accurate when you're doing the cost the budget of estimates yeah. yeah yeah
2: so so you're recommending that they do all this groundwork in order yeah. to have the relevant design the design side of it yeah
1: so they've got their information so when they do go to tender yeah. everybody is pricing the same what generally will happen is you'll get a set of da documents and people will make uh, there's no details on it so i allow i've allowed this yeah i've allowed this okay i've allowed this so when they get this the prices back yeah. i've got An eight hundred thousand dollar tender and i've got a four hundred thousand dollar tender right we're going to go to the four hundred thousand dollar tender because he's the cheapest yeah but it's comparing the right scope Mm -hmm. and content and product to what the various people Mm -hmm. have allowed and making sure what they've excluded is factored in factored in because we've seen projects where i've got a price for this we then would give them, a, oh, has this been included? Has that been included? Has this been included? And all of a sudden, that price goes from 400 to yep. $850. So, oh, okay. all of a sudden, they're more expensive than the $800,000 price. So,
2: Is there like a checklist or anything like that out, out in the market that people can sort of just go, you know, these are the things I actually need to, to factor in or think about or get?
0: It's so, there's a general checklist that you can do for yourself, but it's yep. so um customized and specific that it's very hard to have a black and white checklist of one to ten items that you must have. Essentially you need a design done
2: yeah
0: and you need the design scoped up to exactly what you want. Yeah. So I guess those are the only two things really that you need to do. But in order to do that you need to spend money yeah to do that too. So an average design for a house could be anywhere from ten 000 to twenty thousand dollars upfront spend yep. to get to that point before you can actually go to the market to get a price for the whole build. okay. So I think that's the biggest deterrent for most first-time home builders. Yeah, They think, oh, i have got to spend 20 grand to get a design done. But that design locks in all the finishes, the spec, the engineering that you need to accomplish that home build. Yeah. And if you don't do that first, then it's very hard to- uh,
2: so, so for a first-time builder, like who would they, who would you recommend they approach to get this done properly, is it the architect on that
1: in that case? Or the or? architect in conjunction with them, yeah. I mean, I'll give you, uh, say, an example. For us, one thing we do for our clients when we're doing a tender submission and the documentation is loose, we, we provide them with our quote, what we call a return brief. So there's no lighting detail on the drawings, there's no PowerPoints, there's no uh, data points, TV points. Yep. So we will return briefing and go, we've allowed four lights per room, we've allowed two double GPOs, we've allowed one TV point. Mm-hmm. We go to that extent yep. so they know exactly what they're getting. And we will document that in our return brief. So the demolition, the excavation, etc., cetera, et cetera, all the way through what finishes, how much we've allowed for the supply of timber floor or tiles. Yep. So that gives them that security that, okay, well, I've got $30 a square meter to buy floor and wall tiles. I've mm-hmm. got $100 a square meter for to go and buy a timber floor. And you can go and select it from where you want. Yeah. And I know for a fact that on a number of projects we've priced, they've just got a letter back from another builder mm-hmm. that just says it's X cost to build. with no qualifications on what they've allowed, yeah. what the joinery mm-hmm. finishes are. So for us, that's one of the, I suppose that's one of the things that we promote is that when you get our price, you know exactly what's in it and what's not in it. Down to the PowerPoint. It. Down to number of PowerPoints, yeah. lights. So when we do go for the design, um, they know they've got X amount allowed, whereas there's others that will, oh, well there was no lights detail in the drawing, so, you know. It's, so we've got to add that on. So yeah. that's one of the things we give to all our clients is protects us. Mm-hmm. And it, it also protects them. But it sets a standard on, on what is going to be expected. And I know other clients have used our brief <laughs> and then resend that back to competitive tenders yeah. and used our scope to then make sure that they can compare like for like. And generally, oh, okay, yeah. all the lower prices mm-hmm. have always gone up. And that's where, you get, that's where you get these issues where people say, well, I started at this and ended at so, this.
2: So one of the things that you guys... Like, you know, for first builders is to ensure that when you get a quote, it's it's itemized pretty much detailed. as detailed as You know exactly what
1: you're getting yeah. and what's been allowed. That's one of the biggest components is make sure you're comparing like for like.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, just going back to, uh, just to clarify, like if I wanted to build my house, where would be the first place I go? I'd probably speak to an architect first. An architect first, yeah. yeah. Yep. And they will take a look at the, uh, the, the
0: land, the, design, the property. Yep. They'll probably sit down with you, go through your block of land, yep. what you want to build, and then go from there. That just gives you the outline of what you want to build. And then the next step after that is, yeah. is seeing an engineer on how you're going to achieve the build that the architect has designed. Yep. The architect gives you the idea of what it's going to look what it's like, going to look like yep. the engineer will tell you how you're going to go about building it. Okay. And then there's numerous engineers. There's structural engineer, there's form water engineers. In some cases- So all the engineers
2: will check the land, what's underneath it, all that, just to ensure that- Correct, correct. And once they've done all that, then they will tender out the building to you guys? Is that how- Traditionally, that's how it's done, yes. Yes. But if you get,
0: say, a builder like us involved uh, during that process, we can give you feedback along the way in terms of budget, what you should be if you're trying to achieve a budget, what you should or shouldn't be doing.
2: okay. Uh, you know,
0: like, oh, do you really need five bedrooms? But you've only got, you know, a family of two kids. yeah, That sort of thing we will give you those, uh, I guess they've okay. got that sort of guidance along the way. Or so they you... can
2: engage you a lot earlier in the process?
0: They can, yes.
1: I think the hardest thing for people is, is knowing what they can get for their budget. Yeah. And the problem is, I mean, I agree with what Alvin said regarding the process, but, the process can sometimes be quite a time-wasting process if the client's not uh-huh. i suppose realistic with their budget you are not going to get a 500 square meter home um, concrete double brick for two hundred thousand dollar budget yeah. okay to the the you know yeah. the two extremes so it's making sure that their budget suits what can be built. Mm -hmm. So the problem that we find is that they will go out, an architect will be given a brief, they will go off and design a house that's not in accordance with the budget. And that's one of the key things for clients is that they have to be open with their architects Mm -hmm. and say, we've got X amount to spend. With your experience of costs, what can I get for that? That five hundred thousand.
2: So you need to to go in with an actual budget, and then be able to 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 let the architect know that's the budget, and what can I build on this
1: budget. If the architect knows that, he can design or she can design accordingly. Yeah. If they don't have that, and they're just going to want a five-bedroom house, in their artistic side, (laughs) will always bring out you know an amazing design. That's their job. But sometimes that's not, that doesn't suit the budget. So that's one of the key components is make sure if they are engaged in an architect, the architect is clear of what they've got to spend and what they can get for that. As Alvin said, we also, we get involved with clients at that early stage and we can actually assist them through that process we will we'll assist them with the architect. We will sit with the architect and the client, mm-hmm. and we will basically design to a cost plan. Yep. So they know that what they're actually detailing is what they can afford to afford to build.
2: Okay. So for for clients, a budget and then engaging the right architect and builder is essentially the first step, because then you get a realistic idea of what that's right can be done before you spend the rest of the money and get everything um you know all the engineers and that sort of stuff because if you're what you're trying to build isn't within your budget then there's no point in anybody you going anywhere do it. right yeah, it's, yeah.
1: Right. it's testing the market before you apply for your mm. DA you need to know what you're going to spend otherwise you put your DA and the DA gets approved you get it out it gets costed and this is you know very common yeah and then the DA is already approved. It then goes to the market, and the market's you know, 20, 30 percent over what the what the client can afford. Okay. Then they've got to then redocument, resubmit DAs with design changes, mm. which is more time, more expense. So the more upfront input they can have yeah. from architect and builder um, would be the key. Find a good builder to so
2: get inside, get on to you guys early, yeah. and get a realistic figure of what. Can be achievable With their budget before you start taking within their budget, yeah, yeah. without yeah. before you start spending money because yeah. you know that you have to spend money, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's a really good tip. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move away from business. So, what do you guys like to do like to when to... Uh, when you're not building and, and making <laughs> making people's dreams come true? <laughs> what do you guys? Do?
0: <laughs> I like to go snowboarding.
1: How about yesterday. I, I st- I'm still involved with a local soccer club in the eastern suburbs. So, I've trained young kids groups. Yeah. Uh, my son's now slightly older, so I'm having the pleasure of watching him play in uh, in the MPL. Um, so I was quite involved in that for many many years, just coaching young kids and bringing yeah. them through sport. Um, and uh, yeah, I like to get away as much as possible and go camping and go skiing yeah. and. Uh, but it's having the opportunity. I remember when Alvin and I first started, we always always said, well, we're going to try and get out once a week yeah. or one afternoon a week yeah. and go and play golf or do something we like <laughs> to do. And, uh, we've never achieved it once yet, so that's still to come.
2: You guys set a pretty high standard, so that's, that's obviously going to come in time, mm. I guess, as, as you continue building your team. Yeah, that's right. Um, with how much time you spend, in the business um how's is that affecting your family life or how much do you put aside some time for your family life i know alvin's got a brand new newish time new-ish, newish kid newish kid toddler, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's um it's very very challenging especially yep. with you know i've would encourage alvin to spend as much time with his kids as possible it is it is hard it's this demanding um, with the hours you put in, construction is one of those industries where it never stops. Yep. Um. You're always thinking of tomorrow, you're always planning and planning and planning. Um, but it's trying to have that downtime. Yep. when you get home with your family, spend the time with your family. And like Albert and I are both, you know, 10, 11 o'clock, you'll be getting emails and <laughs> you have the window with the, with the kids and yep. then you're, you're, you're back. are back But out, you yeah. do need to try and have a break because it's it's very demanding and it can take its toll so
2: so during the day do you guys take any time out just to relax and recover do anything not really it's or um, it's just pretty much just go 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 go. we're lucky to have
1: lunch lunch (laughs) and it is from you know you're you're from six in the morning till six at night yeah minimum every day yeah and then maybe from, you'll spend those two or three hours at home with the, with the kids yep. and then nine yep. o'clock till probably 12 o'clock, you're catching up on emails, paying bills, mm. sending out tender documents, it's, it's relentless. It's non It's non-star. It relentless. Yeah. So.
2: All right. So what are your goals for the, the, the company? Like what's your ultimate, where would you like to, to see this, this business in say 10, 15 years?
0: We definitely like to grow it and see it grow to a point where yeah, we've got more staff. Revenue's obviously a driver. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off is getting the right people in place, which we've got now, but growing that team as well. Yeah. And then progressively, there's no point just going from a $10 million business overnight to a $50 million business in the next six months. It's just not sustainable. Yeah. So we've progressively built the business um, slowly to maintain that pace yeah um eventually well, we'd like to get to a point where it's a 20 $15 million dollar business but that's 10 15 years probably in planning okay yeah but the key is to get there
1: progressively not uh not overnight it's got to be manageable manageable yeah. growth so you're
2: you're taking control of how fast you actually grow in, the, in this to,
1: industry you're only as good as your last job yeah. now you can take on heaps of work and heaps of people and your quality will drop Mm -hmm. unless you get the right people. So it's making sure that we grow in the right format and with the right people because one bad job and your reputation goes and Mm. we don't want that to happen. So slow growth, sourcing the right people that we feel fit the business and Mm -hmm. fit our ethics. And we've seen in the last five or six years, our growth has been consistent Yep. And steady, and we've got the right people in the business, mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of other builders fall down: is that they take on too much. They're still trying to chase. They just take yeah. on people that are not right for the business. Yeah, their reputation falls, and then the business is, it goes backwards. For us, we've is taken a Is that a, a lesson fact. you've
2: learned from other, other construction businesses, or is that something that you've always? I think it's a lesson learned. we've learned working for a larger builder in a
0: corporate environment where risk management is very important Mm -hmm. you gotta understand your risk uh, versus your reward and if the the risk is too high and the reward is minimal then Mm -hmm. there's going to be certain things along the way that has to be compromised and you don't want that compromising situation where
1: it affects the business detrimentally yeah so it's about managing the risk really More is not better. Yeah. (laughs) And we've learned that through a number of major subcontractors that have started off as a smaller contractor and have performed really well, been given a bigger opportunity, done very well, been given a bigger opportunity and it's been too big. Yeah. And then it's all the dominoes have fallen. And that's why you hear a lot of companies falling over um, because Because they just take on too much too often with the wrong infrastructure around them yeah. we've taken the opposite tact of longevity mm-hmm. and slower slower growth but building i suppose stronger foundations yeah for the business to to know that we're going to be around in 10 20 years so you know your question was where do you want the business we want to be we want to be a, a company where people will just come to us yeah. because of our reputation yeah. of our quality I suppose our experience and also our our strength mm-hmm. that you know we're not going to fall over tomorrow. We're yeah. here for we're here for the long time. So you're not
2: going to fall over halfway through a project, either. Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> so that that's probably where I think Alvin and I would like the business to be. Yeah. And where we will be a preferred builder as we currently are starting to become for certain clients. Yep. Um, we'll be recommended, and I, I suppose that's where we want to be and as the projects progress, we want to be able to cover both spectrums of the market as well, um, but just being that established builder that people feel comfortable that they'll they can go to, mm-hmm. and, and they get the right product for the right price, and you know they have a stress free stress free build.
2: Awesome. One last question: How did you guys come up with your company name? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: it's sort of a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> my my part, which is Corvus, and yeah. Stuart's part, which is Prime Site.
2: Yeah,
0: um, we had two smaller businesses before we combined together. Okay. Um, so I was Corvus Projects, and yeah. Stuart was Prime Site Group. So we just combined the first two names together to make okay. it Corvus Prime Site. Yeah. So
1: that's how we came about the name. There was nothing actually behind Prime Sight Group from my perspective. I, <laughs> yeah. I just came up with the name, and uh...
2: so you guys were actually running separate businesses before you decided to yeah come together and build yeah we your always, current
0: business. We always kept in contact
2: um, after we left um, our
0: tier one employer. Yeah, and we worked together for a small amount of time, and then uh, went our separate ways. But we still maintained contact. Yeah, and then. You know, after a period of time, after you know, constant contact, we thought, you know, what it's probably easier. Makes more too. It makes more sense to have more resources combined than yeah. doing everything on your own. Yeah. And there's efficiencies of scale in mm-hmm. that as well. So it allows us to have a break when we get the opportunity. Yeah. And for one of us to cover the other um, when there's an emergency situation with family or home,
2: and yeah, and the rest. It's awesome yeah all right guys thanks a lot for your time thank you very much uh, that was incredible actually learning a lot of uh behind the scenes in regards to the industry yeah no worries so uh all the best thank you very much